Buddy's uh, not too soggy or too icy. I am thankful that we do not live in Portland or too many places far north of here. <laughs> there's, there's a time to play in the snow and then there's a time to stay in from the snow. I'm just thankful I'm not a truck driver either. <laughs> So, all right, well, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians, and we are working uh, our way through the last verses of uh, chapter 5, and uh, we're going to start at verse 16 today, and hopefully get through verse 18. So, so verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for the blessing of your word. Thank you for the encouragement that the Apostle Paul is giving to the, to the church at Thessalonica, and how it's an example for each one of us. And Father, as we look into your word, we, we think of today, Valentine's Day, that the world is set uh, to show love uh, toward each other. And Father, we thank you that you have the ultimate love for us and that Christ died on the cross for us and that you gave him as a sacrifice to secure our salvation. And Father, we thank you for the blessing of that and I pray as we look into your word today that we'll just glorify you in all that we do and we will show back our love toward you and we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And it's interesting, with, with uh, being Valentine's Day, we're, we're talking about rejoicing and you know talking about you know giving thanks back to the lord and praying without ceasing and, and last week we talked about uh, peace among men and it can only come about if our relationship with god is in good shape and hebrews 13 8 says christ jesus is the same yesterday today and forever we know that we know that he doesn't change Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Or Titus 1.2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the beginning of the world. Those are some of those three things we talked about of what God cannot do. You know, he, he doesn't change, he doesn't lie. And he won't let sinners into heaven without being saved. So, with this relationship, you know, he's telling us to rejoice evermore. Um, this relationship, obviously, if God doesn't change, who does? It's us. And, and that's the, the real thing. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So instantly we know that if our relationship, we've messed up, we confess it, we're restored restored back there and and that should be a, a point of thanksgiving for us and, and like verse 16 says rejoice evermore and, and it's talking that a joy that we have and we're we're going to talk a little bit about rejoicing what it is and what it isn't I hope but you know to rejoice evermore we need to really be prayed up and and to be thankful in all things and when we we, we, we think of 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 uh, being rejoicing it says uh, Philippians 4 6 says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known under God and so 
it tells us to rejoice and we're going to see that uh, well rejoicing isn't that worldly happiness that euphoric feeling but it's it's a deep inside understanding and as when, when we think about that we're not we're, we're talking about an, uh, an eternal internal peace a, a peace that only God can give us and and we have that when we get saved and, you know in looking uh, at Philippians 4 4 says rejoice in the Lord always and I say again I say rejoice or Philippians 3 1 says finally brethren rejoice in the Lord to which some the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe so the the rejoicing although there's times when we kind of get in our pity parties and we just kind of oh, I just can't oh, there's no way and well as it as it talks about the apostle Paul is laying out many of these things it's a command regarding God how's our relationship there and many of the New Testament churches are basically all of them were living in, in basic sorrowful lives they were being uh, treated miserably uh, they wanted uh, the world wanted nothing to do with Christianity crucified Christ and so they carried on the Jews got marked as well you're the Christ crucifiers when in reality it was the us the lost world sent Christ to the cross but they were treated shamefully and we're still being treated shamefully today. I mean, the world would just as soon not have any accounting to somebody other than themselves. And even then, they really could care less about accounting for themselves either. But they refuse to accept Christ. The world wants nothing to do with it. And who's the, the, the pusher of that? That's Satan. Satan's got the world trapped. And, he's got it, and, and he manipulates around us. So he affects what we're doing. And the fact that we're saved should always be uh, the source of our continual joy. We should be thanking the Lord, as, as it says continually, thanking the Lord for our salvation. So when we, when we think of that, we should be rejoicing regardless of the circumstances. You can be destitute as most of these churches most of them were destitute but yet what they do they gave out of the love for need of somebody of, of another they gave uh, a, a large offering to, for Jerusalem they took care of Paul while he was in prison most of them were not wealthy people some were some were able to, to help uh, you know in an immense way but yet as, as he said many times they gave out of their poverty and when you when you think of of how um, hardships go through the attitude of how those hardships come through James uh, 1 in verses 2 to 4 says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect entire wanting nothing and then First uh, Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. So we're part of that, that suffering, that when this glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And again, it's not the euphoric, oh, you know, I'm just the, you know, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, and just running around happy, although most 
a lot of us will and do sometimes when something good happens, but yet it's in the bad times. What, what's that song? Uh, the, the God of the Mountain is also the God of the Valley. I think, I uh, can't remember. Um, I know who he is. I've heard him sing it several times. But yet, that's true. Whether we're in the valley or whether we're on the mountain. You know, we are, we are uh, to be joyful. And like I said, you know, don't make it searching for happiness. Because as one person said, you know, uh, to be happy, uh, chasing happiness itself is like chasing rainbows. It's always just beyond reach. So if we're trying to be happy in and of ourselves, well, we're going to fail. But yet the rejoicing is that we need to understand that we rejoice regardless. And that comes with our last lesson of, of dealing of peace. And if we're holding grudges or if we are harboring bitter feelings about things, we can't be rejoicing. And we can't be rejoicing like we are supposed to. And also, along with that, is when we forgive, there's rejoicing. Luke 15, 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over the ninety and nine just persons that need no repentance. If we forgive somebody that maybe harmed us or maybe we go to somebody that we know that we've injured in some way and ask for their forgiveness, just think of the kind of joy that comes back when that happens. Or when we share something with somebody and all of a sudden we go, I've never seen that that way. Brother Chris, we were talking last night about that kind of a, a, a thing. He made the nice darkening of our door and, and uh, well, brought some joy. And it was just a nice time of fellowship and, and you know, thinking of what's the rejoicing and, and knowing that sometimes when we're being admonished, it does bring us a joy too. We realize, oh, hey, I, I can improve in that area or maybe I need to realize that or being able to share with somebody else. But too many churches are, are having their services that are just basically gloomy. We think of uh, very formalistic churches. And when you walk in there, it's cold. And it's just uncomfortable. That's what I love coming here. There, I mean, Children are running around having a great time. People are talking. We've got to make the music loud so people can quiet down and get ready for service. Because we enjoy each other's company. And, it, and it's a joy when we do that. But yet, some of these churches... There's some out there that if they had a smile, their face would crack. And, or if, even if they just even begin to smile. You know, Psalms 95, 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before the presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. And Psalms 100, 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's what we do here. People are, are singing. They're rejoicing. They're enjoying one another's company. And oftentimes, we spend more time after the service talking than the actual service itself. And it's just a joy to share that. And, and that's what rejoicing is, is all about. And just about every uh, occurrence 
that we you go through scripture rejoicing talks about gladness or a cheerfulness or some form of cheer but never glooming you know have you ever seen somebody that's happy with a frown on their face I mean there's some people that have a perpetual frown you know I've seen this what is it uh, he's a ventriloquist and he's got Walter the dummy and he even when he smiles he's got a pooch face of course they always post him right next to the current president you know both of them have a permanent frown but even I think he tried to make him smile one time and, and all it did was just his frown got a little shallower but it's but it's interesting even the gloomiest person when they're happy can have a smile and but we shouldn't be that way and regardless of the circumstances we need to rejoice and I'm sure if, if we were to take a, a study throughout scripture of what rejoicing is you know we could probably spend a lot of time on it but really the bottom line is that we're, it's not the euphoric happiness although nothing wrong with that I mean some people are just naturally happy but we have that joy based on our salvation we're saved going to heaven we know that and it's a joy to to share that with others some people oh, I, would have, I don't want to knock on that door I don't want to hand that track out oftentimes persons might have that because they don't they don't feel adequate enough but when they do hand that track out and that person goes you know, I've been waiting for that what do you think that does to a person I've been waiting for somebody to tell me about that I think each one of us might have run into that one time in our lives and it's it's just a joy joy to share the gospel a joy to receive teachings about about the Lord and then just knowing that we're saved and going to heaven and that we get an opportunity to share that that's that's the rejoicing evermore that we need and then when we think of verse uh, 17 pray without ceasing well here you know we're not to be walking around you know with our eyes closed our hands folded and you know be dangerous driving cars that way although we see a lot of people do that or I've seen cameras in people's cars where people are nodding off and you can pray with your eyes open perfectly acceptable because the posture is not important but it means ready to pray at a moment's notice because we have a habitual prayer life and I'm sure many of us if we were to uh, talk we have different methods in which we pray when we pray you know we need that private time our personal time with the Lord prepares us hopefully for the day ending the day throughout the day we, you know depending on when we do that God doesn't say well you have to get up in the morning and do that although there are some people that says if I don't I just can't make it through the day I think somebody can't remember who it was said you know I have to spend this much time in prayer otherwise there is no way I can even face the day and I have to do it first thing in the morning some people get into that habit and and, and it's a joy uh, some people set that specific time to pray a specific place to pray some people make sure that there's no distractions I know if I do get up in the morning which I have a hard time doing to get up and pray I'll get a glass of water or maybe I'll put a pot of coffee on and I'm going to do my study. Usually my wife's already doing hers and I can't figure out why she doesn't get that coffee done for me so I can make sure I get ready for mine. But <laughs> she, gets, she gets up and 
there's no distractions, which is nice. And that's what we need in our prayer life is no distractions. And, and oftentimes, that's why early in the morning is good for a lot of people. Some people just make sure that they go where they are by themselves. Some people go for a walk in the morning, and that's, that's their prayer time. Maybe they put their headphones in, and they might have a Bible study going, you know, listening as they walk or ride or exercise or, or whatever they do, so, and they focus on that to get, get in that habit of prayer, get it ready. And it, it sets us for that attitude. And when we do that, we're essentially praying without ceasing because when that habit's there, something comes up, we might have to pray at a moment's notice. Or, and we've all had that happen, somebody calls us or contacts us somehow or says, uh, would you pray with me about this? You know, how many of you immediately, mentally, start praying right then? I hope each one of us does. I know sometimes I go, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then take another step, and I forgot what it was. Or where it's important is you make that opportunity to pray for that person. My wife, when she's talking, somebody's name will come up, and immediately she goes, just a minute, and she'll go pray about that person. But it's our heart and not our words or our posture that puts us in tune with God. Some people, they have to be on their knees praying. Others worn their knees out and they can't get down there or if they get down there they're not getting back up it, it's not important that posture it's where, what our heart's posture is what's our attitude at the time and to walk around in a prayerful attitude I had uh, I think it was Neil Smith his, his favorite thing was he was a big gardener he was a, a, a retired missionary and we met with him and his prayer time was each day of the week different churches that he'd been affiliated with he had their directory and he would pray through them but he would do it while he was out playing in his garden with his dahlias and just that was his time his, his personal time with that and if you talked with him he was going to pray for you and you knew that he was praying for you I've had others that have been the very same way when you mention something immediately they'll go I'll see you in a little bit you know it, and, and again it's the heart attitude that, that sets it up and in Paul's letters, he's always asking for prayer. I don't think any one of his um, letters doesn't have him either asking for prayer or saying, you know, pray for this, or I pray for you always. Um, Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Or Ephesians 6, 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit watching thereunto with all perseverance, supplications for all saints. You know, it, it, and Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer, watch in the same with thanksgiving. And even though our continual time of prayer isn't set around a clock, wake up in the middle of the night, somebody might come to mind. I've had that happen lots of times. I need to go pray for this person. Or maybe it's the Lord just wakes you up and you don't know what it is. Say, Lord, what do I need to pray about? Or throughout the day, you know, something comes up and you just need to stop doing what you're doing and, and say, Lord, whatever it is, I, I, I want your will to be done with this. And to make sure that we're in that attitude so that at a moment's notice and we, the pastor's mentioned it many times. There's times when we get that, oh, Lord, help me now. 
you know, we, we've got those. But that's the first thing that we do, not the last thing, you know. And, and, and it reveals that, like I say, we're not confined to set hours to pray. And we should live in, in, in constant communion. There's times when, and I'm sure each one of us has, has had that happen, where the Lord does remind us that, oh, you need to pray about this. And, and until we do, things are not going to go right. Might have that happen. I hate to think with Brother Chris, if that were to happen, well, he's got a, you know, big, huge piece of equipment dangling in the air going, oh, okay, i got to go pray about that. No, I think <laughs> he'd probably put it in a safe location. You know, or Brother Charlie, you know, with, with, with a, another piece of equipment or, or Brother Austin out there running a piece of equipment going, okay, guys, I can't do any more programming. i got to go pray about this. I'll see you later. I'm sure his boss might understand it. <laughs> or any one of us, you know. Brother Brian testing something there. Goes, oh, okay, well, it's a lot of his tests, so he can just let them run. And he goes off and does what he needs to do. <laughs> so I hope anyway. But, you know, but, but that attitude that we have in prayer, you know, is can we do that? That's what they're talking about. Pray without ceasing. I mean, from until we wake up in the morning, till we go to bed throughout the night. Go to bed praying, wake up praying a lot of times. I've had that happen. Just all of a sudden I need to pray about something. Next thing I know, it, it comes to mind when I wake up. And, and you just wonder, you know, and, and as one person wrote, it says, um, Christ, uh, Christianity turns men's thoughts away from themselves and their puny deeds to the great God who's wrought stupendous salvation for them. The Christian is ever conscious of their dependence upon God. That's what our com communion is with God. That's why <clears throat> praying without ceasing, we're in constant communion with him. We're talking there. And it's often easy you know, to forget, but we oftentimes come up with the most stubborn problems and we need to realize, Lord, how do I, how do I pray for this, Lord? I, I don't know what to pray for. And he might bring you back to that several times until it's an aha moment with him. That answer to prayer, it might re, you know reveal that to us through that, you know, um, and in order for us to um, to breathe, to pray without ceasing, that communion time, there are the the constant communion, our constant prayer life, or our habitual prayer life, it needs to be that habit with us. And I I know some of us get where sometimes we forget it. But what's nice is it's like getting in the habit of doing certain things. The praying becomes that, you know, we get up, we do things a certain way or how we perform things. Our prayer life should be that very same way. Uh, some people are, are very good about when they take something out, they're finished with it, they put it back. Me, I'm efficient. I know I'm going to go back to it here shortly so it stays where it belongs, so where I left it oftentimes. Well, maybe that's what our prayer life should be. We leave our prayer life where it was. We don't put it away and forget about it. It's there all the time to remind us what our attitude is. And, you know, our prayer life will be constant. And it'll re be recharged through constant prayer. That's what prayer life does for us, or at least, you know, in mine, I'm sure each one of us, we get recharged as we go to services with fellowship. We get recharged with our Bible studies and reading. We get recharged with our prayer life. And, and realize that all three of those forms are energy for our Christian walk on this earth. And, and then we look at 
verse 18 where it says in everything giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and he's talking about like we talked about earlier in everything in the good and in the bad Romans 8 28 we all probably memorize this very well and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose and when we think about that in everything he's talking there Ephesians 5 20 giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of uh, Lord Jesus Christ and you, we can go through well the Psalms of David you know I, I just took uh, and wrote, wrote out or, or looked up uh, giving thanks because uh, you can go in there and you can put all sorts of thanksgiving thankfulness da, da, you know all those but I just put give thanks and it shows up 34 times and of those 19 times are in the Psalms and they're of David most of all of those times of thanksgiving in in second uh, Samuel and and first Chronicles are all dealing with David's remembrance in the Psalms so most of our our prayers of thanksgiving could be modeled after what David did and he always thought about things and yet he messed up a lot kind of like reminds us that uh, okay we're, we're, we're able to do things we think of you know Christ when he, when he fed the 5,000 or, or at the last supper giving thanks for the, for the meals or he gave thanks for when he was doing the father's will and of course apostle Paul we see him that you know he was praying on a regular basis but yet most of the give thanks was David and telling us that he wanted to thank the Lord for what he was doing in his life and that's how we are it says in everything give thanks and we want to make make it such that we're grateful in the hard times <clears throat> Romans uh, 5 3 3 through 5 says not only not only so, but we glory in the tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And when we think about that, well, who's the real uh, source of power for us in, in, in all three of these areas is the Holy Spirit. And we're we're be thankful for the Holy Spirit because you know he he reminds us of things that we're supposed to be doing reminds us of the things that we're not to be doing and brings us around to, to thinking as we should that you know that that we're in, in in such a way that like Barclay wrote he says we must always remember that if we face the sun the shadows will fall behind us but if we turn our backs on the sun all the shadows will be in front. So when we think about that, if we're praying in the Lord, the shadows are being taken care of. All those problems the Lord is taking care of for us. He's, and we should be thankful for that. But if we turn our back on the sun, what happens? Our troubles are before us. And we're not likely to be as thankful. So we realize that we're debtors in this whole situation. Some people think, well, you know, I've, been, I've got such a good prayer life. You know, I'm pretty good. You know, God should be taking care of me just so. And, uh, 
Romans 1.14 says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And we should never think that because, you know, maybe we're taking care of this, you know, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and to be thankful that we're expected God to be doing things for us and that God's indebted to us, got us indebted to him. But in reality, and we think about that, it's, it's like the ungrateful servant. Uh, one person wrote down, it says, uh, we're uh, in 17, Luke 17, 10, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded of you, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Our duty is to rejoice evermore, to pray without ceasing, to be thankful, because it says it's the will of God. That's our duty. And, and in doing that, we shouldn't expect God to, to bless us right here. He's going to look at it and, and weigh it for those rewards that we're talking about. Yeah, he might bless us, but then again, he's not obligated to. One person was writing, he says, uh, our, uh, we have conferred no favor, we have merited nothing, we have not benefited God or laid him under obligation. If he rewards us, it will be a matter of unmerited favor. This is true in relationship to Christians, and it gives the following four little things. Our services are not profitable. Job 22.2 says, can a man be profitable under God? as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself. You know, he, he doesn't need our aid. But our duty is to pray. That's what he wants us to do. He doesn't need our prayers, but what's he do? He wants us to be prayerful. The grace to do his will comes only from him, and all the praise of that will be doing. We, we should be thankful. We should be praising him, like we pray a lot of times, glorifying him. We want to do what God's will is. And we should be praying that we do not not do God's will. I think that's how it works. Yeah, we don't want to, yeah, we want to make sure that we do God's will. And anything other than that, we don't want to be doing. If it's not his will, we don't want to be doing it. And all that we do is our duty. We can't lay claim to having rendered any service that will bind him to show us favor. It's something... And some people are arrogant enough to go, well, I did this for God, so therefore he owes me. It's like works in our salvation, you know. Men want to grab that little bit of extra. It says, and our best service are mingled with imperfections. No matter what the best that we do, it's not perfect. We know that. It always falls short of the glory of God. But yet God is appreciative of what we do. That's one thing. He's thankful to us when we do his will. We need to be thankful to him in doing what he expects us to do. As Hebrews 8.12 says, For I, am, I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He'll not remember those sins, but you know what? He does remember when we thank him, when we pray about things, things that he's put in our mind. And it's, he, he wants us, well, to be rejoicing or to be happy. But he says, I don't feel like being grateful to God right now. Some people might have that attitude. 
but he wants us to be thankful and joyful. We may not feel like doing what we're doing, but you know what? The minute we take the time to pray about it, or maybe talk with somebody, all of a sudden that joy is restored and we'll want to pray and thank him for what he's done for us in our lives. And that, like it says, you know, we can rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and always give thanks, no matter what the circumstances are. And if we can't do that, maybe we should stop and say, Lord, what's stopping me from doing that? And, and he'll reveal it to us. It's that time. First John 1, 9, if we know that that's a problem, we can ask for forgiveness for it. Give it up as sin. And then we know that, well, we can be like today. We can show our love to God in, in such a special way and be thankful, rejoicing, praying without ceasing. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your blessings. Father, we thank you that you do restore us each and every time we come to you. When we ask for forgiveness, you restore us back to where we were. You lift us up, you dust us off, you grab a hold of our hand and show us the right direction to go. And I'm thankful, Father, that you give us those opportunities. Oftentimes, you give us do-overs. And oftentimes, you remind us when we should have done it and we won't ever be able to do it again. But Father, we know that you love us. Your decisions are perfect. Your judgments are perfect. And Father, we only want to glorify you in all that we do. And we ask it in your son's precious name. Amen.